And we want to finish it up tonight. Now, this morning was uh, preaching. Tonight's going to be a little bit more in the, uh, in the area of teaching. And, but I think it's going to be something you can, I think it's going to be something you can chew on. It's something you can use. And so um, Genesis 33 in your Bibles, when you find your places tonight, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able, that is. And we're going to read those first four verses. And then in just a few moments, we're going to go back over to Genesis chapter 32 just like we did this morning. Genesis 33, verse number one, the Bible says, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. Verse three says, And he passed over before them, and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And just for a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you about that, what we talked about this morning, a story of forgiveness and restoration. You may be seated tonight and keep your Bibles handy. We're going to use our Bibles some this evening. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, what a joy to be back in the house of God. We thank you for the wonderful, wonderful day, Lord, that you've given us. God, thank you for speaking to hearts. And uh, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for manifesting yourself here today. And Father, the best I know how, I plead the blood of Jesus. And I pray Uh, Father, that you would shelter us, Lord, in your mighty hands tonight. And uh, Lord, just keep, Lord, the powers of darkness away. And I pray, Father, that you might keep your blessings within this evening. And so, Spirit of God, please come now. I pray for your power. I pray for your, your blessing. God, I pray for your direction. Thank you, Lord, for being, thank you, Lord, for being so good. God, thank you for being so good to us. We appreciate, Lord, you loving us enough to send your only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this sin-cursed earth. Thank you for your so great salvation. Bless our our time tonight, please, Father. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. We said this morning that Genesis chapter 32 and Genesis 33 is a wonderful, wonderful story of forgiveness and restoration. And we took a little time this morning to show you the story behind Genesis 33 of Esau and Jacob and how they were wonderfully, wonderfully restored. Um, and, uh, but anyway, to, to see that, the basis for that forgiveness and restoration, we need to go back to verse number 32. And so we'll review just for a moment, and then we'll get into some brand new material tonight, and I hope it'll be a help to you. Go back to Genesis 32 with me in your Bibles, if you will, and look at verse number one. Now, in Genesis 33, we see, as we said this morning, we see the culmination of forgiveness, and we see Jacob and Esau reunited and restored, and we see that wonderful, wonderful picture of forgiveness. But really, if you go back to Genesis chapter 32, you see the basis behind all of what's going on. And I want to just pull out a few things tonight and show you a few things from Genesis chapter 32 and Genesis 33 that I believe will be a blessing to you. Look, if you will, at verse number one, Genesis 32, verse one. The Bible says, and Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. 
And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Maonam. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, under the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my Lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands and said, If Esau come to to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which sets unto me return into thy country and to thy kindred and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I have passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Now several things, or a couple things, that we brought out to you this morning uh, just by way of review tonight, number one, we notice the mention of Mayanam. Look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 32 and verse 1. The Bible says, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host, and he called the name of that place Mayanam. And we taught this morning that the word Mayanam means double camp or dual camp. In other words, uh, when Joseph made that move toward forgiveness and restoration, the angels of God met him. Spiritual forces begin to bless. God began to rain his blessings down uh, onto Jacob. We also said this morning that the Bible promises divine, supernatural blessings from God on those who are willing to forgive. We also said this, the Bible promises divine, supernatural cursing uh, on those who refuse to forgive. And so it's very, very important if you want a man and if you want God in your camp, it's important that you move toward forgiveness and restoration. And I'm thankful for how the Lord blessed and how the Lord spoke this morning. But I want to go a little further tonight. I want to show you a couple of other things. We just got through one point, but I want to show you a couple of other things that the Spirit of God uh, pointed out to me here in this passage. Not only the mention of man and am, but number two, look at this, the making use of of messengers. Now, I told you this is going to be a little bit more teachy tonight, and it really is, but boy, oh boy, I hope you'll hang in there with us tonight. Look at Genesis 32 and verse number three. Verse number three. The Bible says, and Jacob sent, and here's the word, messengers before him to Esau, his brother, under the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, thus shall you speak unto my Lord Esau, Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now, and I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have sent, notice the wording here, and I have sent to tell my Lord 
that I may find grace in thy sight. Now, we talked about me and Am this morning. We talked about those angels meeting with Jacob. And I'm gonna be quite honest with you. I really, really feel in my heart that these angels were sent from the Lord and I believe they begin to instruct Jacob on exactly what he was to do to try to find forgiveness and restoration with Esau. And I believe what we just read is that counsel. Uh, the sending of messengers or the making use of messengers. Here's the idea. Uh, Jacob, before you see Esau, send a message to Esau, which is exactly what we're, we're noticing here. Now notice this forwarded message paved the way for forgiveness and restoration. Now you say, Pastor, what in the world are you trying to say? Listen, if you're here tonight and you're dealing with some kind of a sticky situation in your family or uh, or your, your home, or your, your business, or your job, or within the church, or whatever the case may be, did you know sometimes you can uh, write out a message and send that message, and that message can accomplish things that you cannot accomplish? Now, let me say a few things about that. Number one, I wrote this down. Sending a message does several things. Sending a message allows you to think and pray about what you want to say. And that way, you know what you can do? You can change the wording before you send it. And so if you're having, you know what, if you're at odds with someone and, and you say, Pastor, what's a good way to, what's a good way to handle it? I mean, uh, you know what, I, uh, uh, you know, so-and-so and I are at odds right now. And, and uh, what do you think I ought to do? Well, number one, you ought to forgive. No doubt about that. If you want God in your camp, if you want a man to him, you've got to make a move toward forgiveness. And if you'll make a move toward forgiveness, God is going to join your camp and you'll have that, that double camp that we preached about this morning. But number two, if you want to try to resolve that issue, it's a good idea to send a message. Uh, if you write that message out and then you read that message, you may think, you know what? I need to change the words before I send that. But I want you to understand something, that once words are spoken... They can never be retrieved. Now listen to what our Bible says in Colossians chapter four, verse number six. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now what's the Bible teaching us there? And this is simple, simple teaching tonight. But the Bible says that we're to season our speech with salt. We're to, uh, just like you would, you know, when you're getting ready to eat a meal, before you dive into that meal, you're looking for the salt, you're looking for the pepper, uh, you, you season your food before you uh, uh, partake of it, you take a little time to season your food, and that's exactly what the scripture is teaching us here, that before we say something, and even before we write something, we ought to season it with grace. We ought to season it, stop and think about it. Uh, what I'm getting ready to say is gonna help, is it gonna hurt? Is it going to encourage? Is it going to hinder? Uh, and so you can always change the wording before you send it. Listen to Luke chapter 12, verse number 12. The Bible says, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. So this is simple, simple tonight. If you're, listen, having a problem with somebody, rather than you go through the rest of your life with hard feelings and unforgiveness, why don't you sit down and send a message? And before you send that message, stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to instruct you on what to write and what to say. 
Uh, and so sending a message allows you to think and pray about what you want to say. I wrote this down. Sending a message can convey genuine love and concern without criticism. Now, you know what, you know what happens a lot of times when, we, when we're mad at somebody and we start going at it with them, you know what gets involved? Emotion gets involved. The devil gets involved. And before you know it, we've said things and spoken things that we shouldn't say. And somebody said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I don't know the idiot that said that, but it ain't true. I'll tell you that. Words hurt. And words have power. The Bible says that, that, that the power of the tongue has life and death in it. And so it's very important that you convey that message with love and concern without criticism. Listen to Proverbs 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I was reading this week uh, during the Revolutionary War. The uh, British were fighting against Andrew Jackson, and they were, uh, it was the Battle of New Orleans, and they were man sending, uh, I mean, firing the cannons, and they were sending the cannonballs over, and they said that, uh, they said that Andrew Jackson took, uh, uh, took bales and bales and bales of soft cotton, and that soft cotton uh, made it where those cannonballs didn't do as much damage because they hit that soft cotton. Now, the Bible says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. How about Ephesians 4.29? The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the ears. Now, listen, as you're sending that message, make sure that whatever you write in the message, make sure that it is sending grace Make sure that it's going to be edifying. Make sure that it's going to build people up as you send that message. And so I said this, sending a message allows you to think and pray about what you want to say. Sending a message can convey genuine love and concern without criticism. Listen to this. Sending a message can reveal your own personal thoughts and feelings. Did you know it's something about writing something out? that sometimes gives us a better understanding of what we're trying to say. And if you send a message before you go to that person and before you bless them out, before you fuss with them, before you, you say, preacher, I'm so mad I could cuss them out. Well, that's not Christian. But before you do that, knowing that you wanna find forgiveness and restoration, why don't you think about sending a message? And when you begin to write that message out, it can reveal your own personal thoughts and feelings. Old story. During the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln wrote to a general who disobeyed his orders during the Civil War. Here's a part of that letter. Uh, Abraham Lincoln wrote this out. I do not believe you appreciate the magnitude of the misfortune involved in Lee's escape he was within your easy grasp and to have closed upon him would in connection with our other late successes have ended the war. As it is, the war will be prolonged indefinitely. If you cannot safely attack Lee last Monday, how can you possibly do so south of the river when you can take with you very few more than two-thirds of the force you had then in hand? It would be unreasonable to expect and I do not expect you now can affect much. 
Your golden opportunity is gone, and I'm distressed immeasurably because of that. And that was the president of the United States that wrote that letter to one of his generals. But here's the important part about that story. After Abraham Lincoln read that letter, he didn't send it. Later on, after he was assassinated, they found that unsent letter in his study. Now, wait a minute. What's the point? The point is this. Abraham Lincoln said, you know what? This is what I feel. This is what I want to send. But if I send this letter, is it going to help or is it going to hurt? Is it going to encourage? Is it going to discourage? And so, by the way, most people believe that Abraham Lincoln was probably lost, never really came to faith in Christ. And so here's a lost man that had enough discernment to say, you know what, I want to send this letter. This is what I want to say, but I don't think it's going to be helpful. And so because of that, he never sent the letter. I'm just, uh, this is all I'm saying. When you send that message, it can be effective. Now you say, Brother Steve, what makes you think that a message, a written message can be so effective? And this is one of the reasons, because it's exactly how God tries to reconcile us. He sent us a letter. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Listen, did you know that Bible that you have in your lap or your hand right now is God's love letter to you? I found that this week, and, and again, I know I'm reading a lot today, more than I would normally read on a Sunday, but I found this this week, and it's called A Love Letter from God to You. And it goes like this, my child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you, Psalm 139, verse 1. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, Psalm 139, verse 2. I'm familiar with all your ways, Psalm 139, verse 3. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered, Matthew 10, 29 through 31. For you were made in my image, Genesis 1, 27. In me you live and move and have your being, Acts 17, 28. For you're my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived, Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5. I chose you when I planned creation, Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book, Psalm 139, 15 and 16. I desired the exact time of your birth and where you would live, Acts 17, 26. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, verse 14. I knit you together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139, verse 13, and brought you forth on the day you were born, Psalm 71, verse 6. I've been misrepresented by those who don't know me, John 8, 41 through 44. I'm not distant, angry, but I'm the complete expression of love, 1 John 4, 16. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you, 1 John 3, 1. Simply because you're my child and I'm your father, 1 John 3, 1. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, Matthew 7, 11. For I'm the perfect father, Matthew 5, 48. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, James 1, 17. For I'm your provider, and I meet all your needs, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. Because I love you with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31, 3. My thoughts towards you are the countless, are as countless as the sand of the seashore, Psalm 139, 17 and 18. 
And I rejoice over you with singing, Zephaniah 3.17. I'll never stop doing good to you, Jeremiah 32.40, for you are my treasured possession, Exodus 19.5. I desire to establish you with all my heart and my soul, Jeremiah 32.41. And I want to show you great and marvelous things, Jeremiah 33.3. If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me, Deuteronomy 4.29. Delight in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37.4. For it is I who gave you those desires, Philippians 2.13. I'm able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, Ephesians 3.20. For I'm your great encourager, 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. I'm also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. When you're brokenhearted, I'm close to you, Psalm 34, 18. As the shepherd carries a lamb, I carried you close to my heart, Isaiah 40, 11. And one day I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes, Revelation 21, 3 and 4. I'm your Father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus, John 17, 23. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed, John 17, 26. He is the exact representation, representation of my being, Hebrews 1, 3. He came to demonstrate that I'm for you and not against you, Romans 8, 31. And to tell you that I'm counting your sins, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Jesus died so you and I, uh, so you and I could be reconciled, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you, 1 John 4, 10. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. Romans 8, 31 and 32. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. 1 John 2, 23. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Romans 8, 8, 38 and 39. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. Luke 15, 7. I've always been father and will always be father Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. My question is, will you be my child? John 1, 12 and 13. I'm waiting for you. Luke 15, 11 through 32. Uh, 32. Love your dad, almighty God. Listen, church, did you know that this is God's wonderful love letter to you? This letter is powerful. This letter is holy. This letter is inspired. It's what changed your life. It's what has changed my life. And uh, listen, we learn a great truth here. We learn that God was in the camp uh, of, of Jacob when he tried to make that move toward forgiveness and restoration. But also, we learn that Jacob used messengers to try to restore that, that forgiveness. And so the mention of Mayanam, the making use of messengers quickly. We're gonna be done in just a moment. Number three, I see the meeting of mercy. Look back at Genesis 32, verse six. Interesting here. The Bible says, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. And then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands and said, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord of which sets unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, 
lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Interesting story. Did you know that, Esau, that, that Jacob thought this was going to go bad? He really thought that Esau was coming to kill him and Esau was coming to kill his kids. He doubted that this was going to work out. But this is what I want to point out because Jacob was seeking forgiveness and Jacob was seeking restoration. God blessed him with great mercy and great favor. Listen to Proverbs chapter 16, verse seven. Listen to this. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Psalm chapter 23, verse five. The Bible says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is what I'm saying. There's some of you here tonight. You say, Pastor, if I tried to work this thing out with my family, or if I tried to work this thing out with my children, or if I tried to work this thing out with a church member or preacher, it's going to go bad. I'm telling you, it's going to go bad. And this is what I'm saying. If in your heart you have genuine, uh, a genuine desire to seek forgiveness and restoration and your heart is in the right place. This is what I believe according to the word of God. God is going to bless you with great favor. I believe that. And so we see the mention of A&M. We see the making use of messengers, the meeting of mercy, and we're done tonight. Look at this. Number, number four, last of all, we see the magnifying of meekness. Now, church, we're talking about, we're talking about forgiveness and restoration. Look at Genesis 33 with me. Something I noticed here that I want to point out to you and we're going to be done. Genesis 33, verse number one. The Bible says, and Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau came and with him 400 men and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after and Rachel and Joseph hindermost and he passed over before them. Look at this next line. The Bible says, and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And boy, I like what happened, verse four. And this is after 20 years of indifference. The Bible says, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. You know, one of the things I noticed here, church, in this passage that Jacob showed amazing humility, amazing humility, and God blessed by restoring this relationship. Listen, if you will, to 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. The Bible says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Listen to Colossians chapter three and verse number 12. The Bible says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and blood, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, wow, listen to these words, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I don't think there's anybody in this room tonight that would say this, but I'm sure there are some who would say, why should I forgive? 
And I guess the main answer would be because you're forgiven. Because Jesus Christ forgave you when you didn't deserve forgiveness. Well, thank God we had a Savior that looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Boy, I'm telling you what, you are not, and you know this, don't you? After 30, 32 years, you know this. You're not looking at a perfect preacher. You know that. But let me tell you what you are you're looking at. You're looking at a forgiven preacher. God forgave me. Thank God I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And we see here, you, you say, preacher, what happened? I mean, 20 years, these guys have been at it. 20 years. They've been fussing and fighting and fuming and Esau's so mad he wants to kill himself, wants to kill his brother. You say, Pastor, what in the world? I mean, what in the world happened? Well, number one, Jacob made a move toward forgiveness. And when he did, God got in his camp. We we notice here that he sent some messengers ahead of himself, trying to pave the way for this forgiveness and restoration. And then we saw that God gave him great mercy. But notice this thing of meekness. I read this week about a church over in Palestine. And they said this, that the door is so low that when you go in this church, you've got to stoop down. You've got to, the door is so low that you have to stoop down to walk into this church. And I was reading the story and I thought, man, that's, I mean, why? (laughs) Why did they make the door stoop so low? And this is what it said. It was built that way to prevent medieval raiders from riding their horses into the church to disrupt the service. And so they built the stoop so low you couldn't ride a horse in. So as you walked into the church, you had to stoop low to get in. And they called that door the humility gate. When I read that, I thought, whoa. You know what? I'm pretty convinced of Brother Brandon. If every Sunday morning when people walked in this church, they'd stoop down a little bit and walk in. And every Sunday night, we'd stoop down a little bit and walk in. And every Wednesday night, we'd stoop down and go through the humility gate. You know, I've just got a pretty good feeling we wouldn't have problems that we have today. You know what it's all about, church? You know why we have problems a lot of times? It's called pride. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I I mentioned this to someone this morning. You can't determine what other people do, but you can determine what you do. And you say, well, preacher, you know, so-and-so, and, and, you know, we've had words for years, and and, uh, what do you think I ought to do? Forgive, forget, and go on. You say, well, they've not apologized. Listen, you can't determine what they're going to do but you can dead sure determine what you're going to do. In church, I'm telling you something. Life is way too short to go through it with hard feelings and animosity and anger. Now, I don't know why all, all the reasons that God wanted me to preach this message. Today, as I told you this morning, I had, I had two messages pretty much ready to roll, and God changed my direction on Thursday. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. I'm just God's, I'm a pastor. But I can tell you this, boy, I try. And some, some weeks I don't, I don't do so good, but I try to walk with the Lord. And I try to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, guide me in truth, guide me in truth. 
What do you need me to give your people this week? I don't want to just get up here and say something. Man, I want to give your people something. I want to give them bread from heaven. What do you, Lord, what do you want me to give your people? And it seemed like God began to change my direction. And all day we've preached on forgiveness. Who is it? Who is it that you need to forgive tonight? It might be something that happened 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Who is it that you need to come down and get on this altar tonight and say, Lord, I'm tired of hanging on to this. I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to forget. You know, we're done. You can close your Bibles. We're done tonight. Did you know that back, back in the dark ages, they tell us that sometimes when a criminal would kill a person, that his penalty was they would take the corpse of the person that he killed and they would chain the dead corpse to the criminal, the murderer. They would chain the dead corpse to the criminal and that criminal would be forced to walk around and live with that dead corpse chained next to his body. And you, you say, preacher, you mean yes. As that body began to decompose and the flesh began to rot and the, the worms began to move in, that, that criminal was chained to this dead corpse and, uh, and, and eventually the, the, the rot and the infection would move over to his body and he would begin to die in a terrible, terrible fashion. You know what's really, really sad? Even in our churches, a lot of Christians are walking around chained to that unforgiveness, chained to those, those hard feelings and that hard heart. Oh, listen, church, this is all I'm saying. Thank God I serve a God that's able to break the chain tonight. Don't live your life like that. Don't go through life like that. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your blessings today. God, thank you for being so real in our midst. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts this morning in such an amazing way. Lord, thank you for the spirit of the Lord and the freedom of the Holy Spirit. And God, we thank you for bringing us back tonight. And God, I pray that you'll take simple. I know this has been so simple tonight. But God, help us to determine that we are not going to live the rest of our life with hard feelings and hard-heartedness. Father, help us. Help us to decide and determine that we're going to forgive and we're going to go forward. God, many, many visited the altars this morning but maybe there's others that ought to join the altar tonight. God, help people to leave here free. God, help people to leave here tonight, Lord, with a light heart, a joyful heart. I pray you do that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two, we're gonna be on our way. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If I were to die this evening, I know that I'd go to heaven. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there anybody here tonight who would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that here tonight? And you'd say, Pastor, just remember me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Let me ask this question. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many of you here tonight would say, Pastor, you didn't know, but the Spirit of God knew. I'm dealing with some real, very real things in my life right now. And Satan has tried to, he's tried to make me have some hard feelings and he's tried to, he's tried to make me angry. And preacher, I, I care enough to slip up my hand and just say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Pray for me that God will help me with that situation. Yep, yep, yep. Wow, many, many hands, many hands all over the auditorium. Hey, church, I got good news. God can break those chains tonight. Let's all stand around the house. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, I want to thank you for the precious word of God. I pray somehow, Lord, we've said something, done something today that would make a difference for the cause of Christ. Lord, if there's any here tonight, maybe some of those who raised their hands, and tonight they need to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and just give it to God, I pray that's what they'll do right now. Lord, it could be there's somebody here this evening that needs to come back to the Lord, that needs to rededicate their life to Christ. They're saved, but Lord, they've wandered away from the will of God, and tonight they need to rededicate their life to Jesus. Lord, it could be many things tonight. Maybe someone has lost loved ones and they're just burdened and they want to pray for their lost loved ones. It could be somebody's been saved, but they've never followed in believer's baptism. And tonight they need to be baptized, make themselves a candidate for baptism. God, so many things. I pray you'd work in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed. Folks, you're standing. If you need to come, listen, would you come right now? God spoke to your heart, and there's something that you need to do for the Lord. Would you come? Would you step out right now? Anybody need that chain broken? Would you come while we wait? Would you come and do business with the Lord? this way church we're going to sing this little chorus right here that just says Jesus is the sweetest name I know and he's just the same as his lovely name we're going to sing this I want you to sing it with all your heart tonight and we'll be on our way this evening give it your all as we sing tonight Calvary amen sing it with me ready Jesus is the sweetest name I know 
the same has his lovely name and that's the reason why I love him so Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Can we sing it one more time? Sing it together like you mean it. Sing it, church. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. is the sweetest name I know. Keep playing just for a minute there, Brother Abel. If you're watching live stream tonight, we're delighted to have you on the broadcast. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And if you're watching tonight and we can pray with you, please call that number. We have some folks that are waiting by the phone right now. We'd love We'd love to take your call. So please call us tonight if you will. Has God been good to us today, church? Amen, he has. He has. Thank you for being in the Lord's house. We hope you have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you this coming Wednesday night. Come on up, Brother Brandon, if you will, and pray for us tonight. Amen. Well, right before we do go, I do want to make mention once again, don't forget all those men who can help us this coming Saturday. Please come find me right after this service. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the truths contained in your word. And Lord, we thank you for a preacher who stands and proclaims, thus saith the Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that Lord, that your word that was preached this evening and this morning, Lord, Lord that would find a lodging place. And Lord, we'll be able to take that and meditate on your word, Lord, this evening as we go home and Lord, tomorrow, Lord, may we share what we've heard and Lord, what was taught and what was preached to others who may be struggling and going through a lot of the same issues that was preached upon. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord, this evening. Lord, give us safety as we all go home. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for a home to go safely to. Bring us back to that next appointed time. God, we thank you for what you have done, but God, we look forward to what you're going to do and how you're going to do it in and through each one of us. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.